need to go out not on our own. We need to go out filled up, empowered, flowing in the two streams of God, integrity and faith in God's word, demonstration and manifestation of his glory. And that is, that is the, the Holy Spirit. Everything we just said, that, that is the function of the Holy Spirit. But how many know that there's a lot of misunderstanding? Some is lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit, but a lot of misunderstanding. I mean, we're a pretty safe place. How many grew up in an environment where, like, the Holy Spirit made you a little nervous because of what you saw people do when they said it was the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Like, yeah. And then how many of you grew up in an environment where, like, if people weren't screaming and shouting and dancing and, wow, like, if, if, if that wasn't happening, you're like, oh, the Holy Spirit wasn't here. Anybody grow up in that environment? Some of you lying. My, my wife grew up more in that kind of environment. She's downstairs teaching our kids right now. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, fill our kids. But she grew up in a more Pentecostal, charismatic environment. And I grew up in, uh, I grew up, my dad was a United Methodist pastor for 50 years, uh, 48, but we're just rounding up. And uh, he's just one of the good ones and just loved Jesus so much and uh, so much foundation and word that I was taught and everything, but we grew up in an environment where this is my, my uh, illustration of, like, it was more, the Holy Spirit was kind of calm cousin Bob. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We believe in your spirit. You can heal. There is power to do things. Like, thank you, Jesus. And uh, I love, again, I'm grateful for, I love my heritage, and, but like, you know, if someone there was the one hand raiser, like just one or two of them that would raise a hand during worship. If two hands went up, whoa, that guy, it was a Holy Ghost service then. And so it was, it was kind of like we believed in the Holy Spirit, and we believed that miracles could happen. Um, but then my wife and others of you grew up in an environment, it wasn't calm cousin, Bob, uh, calm cousin what did I just say, Bill? It was crazy Uncle Bob, Hallelujah! Lay hands on you. You will be recovered. Going to deliver you by the power of the Spirit of God. Woo! And so I don't care which environment you grew up in, you got some bad, look at somebody and say, you got some baggage. You got some baggage about the, the Holy Spirit. And so today, like, I really want to, I'm going to teach, like, you, I think I'm going to be hanging out right here. And I'm going to read you a ton of scripture. Because why? Because we're demonstrating this message today, this whole service, demonstrating integrity and faith in God's word. Because everything we're going to talk about today is in the word of God. So I'm going to read you a bunch of scriptures. And then towards the end, we'll probably see some, not probably, we will see some demonstration and manifestation of his glory. But it flows from integrity and faith in God's word. Because a lot of people have equated supernatural with mysterious, unknowable. Halloween's around the corner, even spooky. And that's what they've equated, equated the supernatural with. And the truth is, the Holy Spirit, is he supernatural, yes or yes? Come on, come on, you crazy Uncle Bob people. Is the Holy Spirit supernatural? Yeah, he is supernatural. However, the Bible teaches 
defines and demonstrates how the Holy Spirit will work. It's not a mystery. We can, like, now, can we guarantee when and how and these kind of things? No, but it should not be a surprise if the Holy Spirit shows up and heals. It's not a surprise when the Holy Spirit brings peace that surpasses your understanding. It's not a complicated thing to know that you can be going through the worst moment of your life and still have joy, still have a peace that only God can, because the Spirit of God inside of you is what brings that. So I'm going to answer four questions today, all right? Maybe ambitious, but four questions. Here's the first question. What is the Holy Spirit? What, is, what, what in the world? What, what was that? What was that? Like, what is the Holy Spirit? And I'm intentional with that question because that's how people think. What in the world is? Because when Christians start talking about the Holy Spirit, or they start flowing in the Holy Spirit, sometimes it looks a little goofy. And sometimes people take liberties that don't line up with the Word of God. Now I'm touching on some of that baggage, aren't I? So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not a what? The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a force, a thing, or an it. Any Star Wars fans in the room? Man, I need to lay, do an altar call. Goodness gracious, we need to get some people saved in here. Thank you. But the popularized, may the force be with you, right? May the force. You guys seen that commercial where the kid's like levitating? He's trying to like levitate his car with the force. He's got like a Darth Vader helmet on or something. Trying to. And Christians, a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is like Christian magic. Gives you special power. The Holy Spirit is not Christian magic. Not a force, a thing, or an it. He is a person specifically the third person in the Trinity. Now, I will say, uh, and you actually heard some, some shift in language patterns, even from people up here, pastor or, and others, who like, it sounds weird to you because instead of saying the Holy Spirit, they're just saying Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because why? Because Holy Spirit is a person. You don't say, you don't say the Jesus or the God the Father. You say God the Father, you say Jesus. Now, the reason many of us have that language pattern is because well, I haven't gone in and like broken this down, but like the Bible uses that language pattern, the Holy Spirit, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake about it, even if there's a the there, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person, and specifically, he is the third person of the Trinity. Let's put some scripture on that. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us, everybody say us, let us make man in our image. See, the Holy Spirit has been with God the Father and God the Son since the beginning of time because he just said, God said, let us make man in our, everybody say our, our image. God does not have a personality disorder. He's not like, I, like, it's, it's really hard to understand. Like our natural brains can't wrap around one Godhead, Father, Son, 
Holy Spirit, one Godhead. There's one God. But he shows up, manifests, demonstrates in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, that was not, listen, this is not man-made. Like, some, some guys didn't make this up. This is Scripture. Let me give you a couple other verses so you can see it more clearly. Luke 3, 22, and the Holy Spirit, that's the, everybody say, that's the first. That, that's the first person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Who's him? That's Jesus, second person in the Trinity. And a voice from heaven, who's that? God the Father, which said, you are my beloved son and you am I well pleased. Everybody say the Trinity. See, they were all there. One God had three distinct persons. Let's do another one. John 14, 26. Listen, if some of you have had questions and baggage around this, this is a really good note-taking message, okay? Take these notes. Go back and read the Bible. I love the Bible so much because the truth is evident. It's in the book. John 14, 26 Jesus speaking here, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, that's number one, whom the Father, second person, will send in my name. Who's my name? Jesus. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So three distinct persons. Is the Holy, person, Holy Spirit in it? Yes or no? No. Is he a person? Yes. And because he is a person, he functions as a gentleman. He is not going to force himself in. Can you force a relationship? Now, some of you have tried. How'd that work for you? It didn't work, right? So you cannot force a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person who desires to be in relationship with you, with me. The, the Godhead desires to be in relationship with me. That's the Holy Spirit. So no one can like lay hands on you. Like if you were a little closer, I'd jump down there on top of you, Jay, and be like, hold you down. Like, bring the Holy Spirit into him. Now again, some of you have baggage because you grew up in an environment where that, that kind of thing happened. And by the way, it was well-intentioned. Nobody was trying to give you spiritual issues that lasted most of your life. They weren't. They wanted you to have the goodness, the fullness of God, which we're going to talk about, that comes through the Holy Spirit, but it cannot be forced upon you because he is a, he's a person. Question number one, he is a person. Question number two, why did God promise us the Holy Spirit? Why, why did he promise? Listen, it was God's promise. Again, not religion. Listen, is there a bunch of jacked up stuff in the world today because of religion? This ain't one of them. Now, have people showed up and given the Holy Spirit credit for things that he didn't do? Yes or, oh my goodness, yes. Yes, right? But this, listen, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? Like, God wants you to walk in the power of the Spirit, but you have to have a biblical understanding to know that he is a person who wants to be in relationship with you. And not only that, he is a promise from God the Father. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Everybody say, he's talking to me. 
It is to your advantage that I, Jesus, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, Jesus was with the disciples. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? What's up, Jesus? Like hanging out, walking and talking, eating meals together. Jesus was with them. But the Holy Spirit would be in them. Not just upon them. Michael and I were talking about this before service. Upon them, that happened in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon the prophets and priests and the king. Like he would come upon them. But what Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is to your advantage. Everybody say, my advantage. Because where I've been with you, disciples, when I leave, the Holy Spirit's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you, like permeating your being, flowing through your veins. He's going to be in you. And so this same Jesus that raised the dead, resurrected from the grave, fed the 5,000, healed every sickness and disease that he encountered. Jesus did all those things, and he's saying, hey, disciples, it's better if I leave because when he comes, he's going to help you do all that. In fact, the Bible says in John 12, you're going to do the works that Jesus did and even greater, greater, greater works than these you're going to do. Why? Because you've got a supernatural, divine advantage living on the inside of you. And who is that advantage? The Holy Spirit. Come on now. Who is that advantage? The Holy Spirit. Let's take that a little further. Jumping a little further down, John 16 still. So Jesus just said, hey, I'm going to go away so I can send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. Jump down to verse 33. This is in the Amplified, and it says this. I have told you these things about the Holy Spirit in context so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Put your hand on your chest. Just kind of rub that in. Perfect peace and confidence. Like, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Has anybody experienced some of that? Like this morning, this week maybe? So we're not talking about some theoretical thing you should learn in theology class. We're talking about the thing that this is what enables you to get through tribulation and trial and distress and frustration. You need the Holy Spirit inside of you. This is not just a, an optional add-on. Well, I got saved, got my ticket to heaven. Would you like to add on into the cart the Holy Spirit? Here's the advantages, here's... Ah, no, I think I'll just get my ticket to heaven. And that's silly, isn't it? And yet that's how many see the Holy Spirit. And again, largely sometimes because of that spiritual baggage. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit is not an option. So he says, in the world you're going to have all these things, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it, this is the Amplified, listen, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. And in the context of that passage, what is he saying? I have deprived it of power to harm you or to conquer you because I placed something on the inside of you that is more powerful. What John 10, 10, greater is he who is in you than he that is in this world. 
I just thought it's First John 4, whatever it is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Greater, greater, greater. He's saying, listen, the world, I've deprived, I've, the world thinks it can harm you. Circumstances think they can harm you. Lack of finances, sickness, illness, broken relationships, people doing stupid stuff. The devil thinks he can get them to do some stupid stuff and harm you. But God says, I have deprived the world. I have taken every bit of power the world has to harm you. Why? Because I have placed within you this divine, supernatural ability. His name's the Holy Spirit, and he desires to be in relationship with you. And because he is inside of you, you can have perfect peace and joy and confidence and certainty, and you can be undaunted by every circumstance in this life. Does that mean that life will be perfect and without problem? distress, trial, tribulation. Is that not what the Bible just said? It's not a contradiction, y'all. How many have watched some people go through some things and you're like, how are they so peaceful? How many of you have been going through something and you're like, I feel guilty because I feel so peaceful? That ain't you. That's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. This is not an actual optional add-on to your cart. This is a requirement for living the way God has called us to live, to live in the full benefits. Luke 24, 49, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus, talking to the disciples. But tarry in the city in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus walked and talked, did ministry for three years with the disciples. He's getting ready to be up and out of here. And he's saying, hey, guys, when I go, make sure you hang out in Jerusalem for a minute because you need something before you go and try and do what I just commissioned you to do. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> disciples, listen, I have given you the greatest commission of all. I have put an assignment on your life to bring hope to the world. You have to fulfill it for the world to know the goodness of God, the love of God, the redemption that only comes through my blood on the cross is getting ready to happen. But if you leave Jerusalem before you get the Holy Spirit, you're done. You're going to fail. You're going to be frustrated. And in fact, some of you in this room are frustrated Christians because you're not living in victory because you haven't been tapping into the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You've been trying to do it on your own. Let me help you. Stop it! You almost said it before me, but I got you. Thank you for holding back, Nicole. Stop trying to do it on your own. God gave you the ability. Life is not, uh, Romans 14, I think it is, life is not a matter of eating and drinking. What's eating and drinking? Survival. Life's not a matter of survival, of getting by. Life is a matter of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit is what the Bible says. Everything you need is in him. And he put all of him through the Holy Spirit in you. That's why, Pastor, nearly every service, somebody is going to quote, greater is he who is in... Oh, oh. Greater is... Is that better? What's up, Pastor? Greater is he who is in you than he that is in this world. 
Because it's so easy to forget that he's in you. So why did God send the promise of the Holy Spirit? Because he knew you needed to be clothed with power, right? Clothed. That, that endued means to be clothed, to put on power. Come here, Ella. Give me your jacket. Stand up, stand up. This is my daughter. Say hello. If this is the Holy God likes, hey, I got the Holy Spirit, and I want to put it on you. It would be better if this is your brother, because he could run. Those heels probably. But, like, if Ella doesn't want me to put this on her, like, she, but no, I want to put it on you. But she can throw it off if she wants to. If she's going to be close, she has to cooperate with God the Father who wants to. Go ahead, let's put it on. To clothe her. Clothe her with power. Now she's like, I got the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your assistance, Ella. He wants to clothe you, but look at somebody and say, you have to cooperate. He will not force. You have to choose to cooperate. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit, third person of the, the Godhead, he wants, it's the same promise for everybody. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or if you didn't grow up in church. It doesn't matter if you're atheist or agnostic. It doesn't even matter if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, or Methodist. It's the same promise. Everybody say same promise. Not only the same promise, it's the same power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. Like, put your hand on your, like, he's in me. Everybody say, he's in me. If, you, if you're a born-again believer, he's in you. The same power is in me. But I have to choose to activate. So what is, question number three, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What's his job? Believe it or not, it is not to give you goosebumps in a service. In fact, how many of you have been to maybe a concert? Lots of people. That wasn't, you don't have to raise your hand on this. I mean, we're, we're in a safe place. But you've been to a concert that maybe was not quite the God-glorifying worship and adoration of the Savior. And you felt, in the peak of the moment, the music was loud. It was loud. And you felt some goosebumps. The Holy Spirit's job is not to give you goosebumps. You may get some goosebumps in the service. It's not a bad thing. The Holy Spirit's job is not to knock you down on the ground. Maybe he wants me to explain. Why, why sometimes when someone's laid hands on by a minister of the gospel, why then do they fall down? Because I, I don't want some of you to hear what I just said and be like, oh, that's all fake. That's all rah-rah. That's all crazy religion. When you die and go to heaven, and you enter into the presence 
of God Almighty, his glory, his majesty. And you become before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Holy is his name. And you come into his presence for the first time. Are you going to be like, hey, God, I have like this list of 52 questions, 52 million questions. Are you going to be asking questions? Are you going to be like, wow, this is pretty cool? Are you going to be like, man, the angel's like, that's not the right note. Like, they should have been louder or softer. Are you going to be doing any of that? What's going to happen when you come into his presence the first time? Are you going to be on your feet, yes or no? Sorry, Lenny. So here's why some people fall down in the spirit is the language. Because sometimes when a man or woman of God lays hands on someone, and the power of God, the spirit of God that's on the inside of them, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrects the dead, and that flows from one person into another, virtue of the Holy Spirit flows into them, the spirit of God, because he's same in the Godhead, right, gets the same results God will when you get to heaven. That makes sense, right? Okay, mute me just for a sec. Don't get nervous, guys. We've done this before. Nervous. It's like the, it's the connection. All right. We'll see if we can keep going. Okay. So what is the job of the Holy Spirit? Is this helping anybody? Because some of you, you've never had a message taught to you like, here's the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm trying to teach you, and I'm breaking it down. Let me give you six things the Holy Spirit does. You want three things he doesn't do first? Three things he doesn't do? This is not his job. To confuse, to condemn, or to cause chaos. If you are in an environment where confusion, condemnation, or chaos are happening consistently, and they are giving credit to the Spirit of God, you might want to check that. Let me just talk about that condemnation one because a lot of people use the Spirit to condemn, to condemn, to condemn. My favorite verse, even though it's Old Testament, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Right? So this is a, even though it's in the Old Testament, it's a good New Testament prayer. See if there's any offensive way in me. See, that's conviction. The Holy Spirit will shine a light on the things that are offensive to the heart of God, that are separating you from God. The Holy Spirit will shine a light on that. And then the rest of the verse says, and then lead me in the way everlasting. See, he'll shine a light to expose and convict, and then he will shine the light out of the mess that you're in. Like, here, follow me. Here's how you walk into freedom. We talked about that a lot in worship. There's freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. So three things he's not there for. Let's talk about six things he is there for, and I'm going to do this quick, so take notes. Number one, he is here to comfort us. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. It's hard to go through it quick because I know there are people in this room who need comfort. And he is available 100% of the time for you to activate comfort. I can't comfort myself. I can't figure it out myself. I can't solve this. Holy Spirit, bring me comfort. 
Philippians 4 talks about peace that passes understanding. And it's a matter of turning our attention to him, activating the spirit of God on the inside of us. God, bring comfort. If you need comfort right now, just put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, comfort me. Bring peace. It doesn't make sense, but you promised me. Thank you. Thank you for comfort. Thank you for peace. And you may have felt just in that moment like, it, like you maybe felt something, like, an infu- like something changed on the inside of you. And you can't, you can't describe that to people. You can't help them understand. Sometimes you have to, in the Psalms it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But he will comfort you. Don't forget he's there to comfort you. You are not alone. You are never alone. Even when people betray you, when they let you down, when they turn their back on you, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. Number two, he will convict us. I just talked about that. John 16, 8, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Some people don't like to tap into the Holy Spirit because they're scared what he's going to say when they get in a conversation. It also says in another place in the Bible, you can't run from him. There's no distance you can go, no dark place you, can, you cannot escape from the presence of God. So, so don't run because, again, conviction is not a bad thing. Because when he brings conviction, he does not condemn you and say, you're worthless and I don't love you. He convicts to shine light so that he can bring hope. Some of you need to shift your definitions because you see conviction as I'm un... Wow, this is big. You see conviction as I'm unworthy and I've failed. And God sees conviction as proof that I love you so much. I will convict you because I only want the best for you. I will convict you and show you your sin so that you know that's just going to hurt you if you keep living in that mess. I'm convicting you because my love for you is unshakable. He loves you. So then you can, you can say, Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin because conviction brings hope. Conviction is what leads to freedom. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's one of his jobs, to convict you, to bring hope, to bring freedom. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, convict me. Number three, he guides us. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Are we currently living in a world that needs truth? Stop arguing with people. Because this verse does not say, God will give me all the truth, and then it's my job to give the truth to everybody else. And convince them of it. And guide them into it. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. And he's going to have to guide other people into truth, too. Maybe you should stop arguing so much and start praying for the Holy Spirit to do his job instead of trying to do it for him. Wow, that was not in the notes. That was for free for somebody. (laughs) 
This is, these are the roles, the jobs of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do it for him. In society, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, he's going to have to guide in truth. Now, should we be a voice and speak truth in these kind of things? Yes. I'm just bringing a balance because there's so much junk out there and arguing and trying to prove yourself. That's just, when we try to do God's job for him, it never turns out well. So he will guide us into truth. He will guide you into, like one of my pet peeves, my truth, what's your truth? No, no, he'll guide you into truth, period, big T. All truth is God's truth. He'll guide you into truth. He will guide you. Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. Number four, he gives us power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of you are like, man, you got like 30 minutes into a Holy Spirit message and you just quoted Acts 1.8. Because listen, if you don't let it, the Holy Spirit do everything else, convict you and guide you and comfort you, you, you can't handle the power. Like, let the Holy Spirit do all the things that he's designed to do in your life in relationship with you. And when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, Acts 1-8, that was the power for the completion of the mission, the, the Great Commission, right? The gospel is the message, right? The gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the message that Jesus brought that we are to carry. But the empowerment to carry that message comes right there in Acts 1-8. He brought the power. Number five, he changes our character. <laughs> We might need to preach a whole series there. Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If there is an absence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is that because there is a lack in the spirit of God? You think we might need to look internal there? Like, God, how do I... Parker talked a couple weeks ago about spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. There are some Christians who are saved who have all of the Holy Spirit, but they have not operated enough in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, I've got to line my mind, will, and emotions up with what the Spirit of God says is true, what the Bible says is true. He'll guide me into all truth, right? So if you're not experiencing enough of those things, the fruit of the Spirit, you might need to do some work with that. You might need to activate that in some areas of your life. You might need to say, God, teach me how to be patient. Because how many of you notice, like, patience is easy until people get involved? (laughs) People. But God, teach me how to be patient. God, teach me how to have joy in difficult times. God, teach me how to have gentleness with my children or my spouse. Some of you are not getting the results you want in relationships because you have not grown in the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. Take that to prayer and say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to walk in the fruit of the spirit because it's available. And lastly, he gives us spiritual gifts to help others. That's 1 Corinthians 12. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now here, 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit are just as real and active today as they are in the New Testament. Amen? Like some people believe, there, there are whole denominations that believe it happened in the Old Testament, but it ceased then. We do not believe that. We believe the gifts and the Spirit of God are just as active today as they were in the book of Acts. That's why Jesus said, you'll do these works and even greater works than these because I've gone to the Father. I put the Spirit on the inside of you. Everybody say, he's in me. So the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you live a supernatural life, a two streams life, if you will, a life that demonstrates integrity and faith in God's word and demonstration and manifestation of his glory. That's how he wants you to live. He does not just want you to feel goosebumps or just pray in the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in a moment. He wants you to become more like the Father and the Son. That's why he put the Spirit inside of you. It's time for believers to rise up in the power of God, partner with the Spirit of God, and become a living, breathing expression of God the Father and God the Son in the earth. Because we're clothed with the same power that he's clothed with. The same power that raised him from the dead is living in you. And I had this visual as I was preparing that, is there any superhero fans in the room? All right, clearly we need to do like some movie marathons to get, get like Star Wars superheroes. All right, I got some of you. But like, anybody seen The Flash? That's actually a TV show. And like The Flash, he's like superhuman speed, right? Because he was in the, whatever, the particle accelerator. And, but right, right before The Flash, he looked like a normal human being. Okay, just walking down the road, and then something happens, and he needs to go into flash mode. And right before it happens, they go close up on his face, and like lightning sparks in his eyes, and then it boom, and like this was like lightning surrounding him. Like you got that supernatural. Like I'd love to see some lightning. Like activate the Holy Spirit. Like boom. He can go fast anytime he wants, but he has to choose to activate. You can walk in the power of the Spirit of God anytime you want to, but you must choose to activate the Spirit of God. You must choose to partner with him, to walk in his power, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. That's your choice. Everybody say, it's my choice. Which brings us to the last question. Um. What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? Uh, I'd apologize for, you know, like taking my time with this if I cared, but I don't. You know why? Because I care about you more. I care about you walking in the power that God designed you for. Listen, Cracker Barrel can wait 15 minutes, okay? That was not a commitment to 15, just general, just theoretically. <laughs> You need the Spirit of God operating on the inside of you, not to make it optional. So what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues? Let's get this out of the way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues, like we believe as a church, according to Scripture, that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'll define all this here as we go, but just putting it out here at the top, when you can be baptized in the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We believe that's available for everyone. Um, do you have to speak in tongues to get to heaven? Say it loud for the people in the back. Do you have to speak in tongues to get to heaven? No. no. You do not. 
Um, and in fact, some of you are like, what, tongues? I didn't know we was in that kind of church. It's all right. I didn't, like, my wife tricked me into coming to this church. Like, 23 years ago, I was like, are they talking tongues there? I don't know about that. I was Methodist, people. We don't do that stuff. One hand, remember? Calm, Cosm Bill. So, but my journey of faith and what happened is I got in the Word of God and I started uncovering in the Word of God and seeing the truth of the Word of God, not what people said. And so I started to see the word, and we'll uncover that a little bit. But you don't have to pray in tongues to get to heaven. In fact, I, some of the most spiritually centered, God-centered, Holy Spirit-infused people I know, they don't speak in tongues. That's okay. Here's a deeper question. Are they baptized in the Holy Spirit, Pastor Martin? Some people, they're not speaking in tongues because they didn't know they could. I'm just, as we walk through, I'm just going to give you permission. Like, if you want to speak in tongues, you can. Do you have to speak in tongues to get to heaven? No. But here's what we, like, there is something that happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and that evidence of speaking in tongues. The New Testament talks all through there about speaking in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. All these things are in Scripture. And every time it talks about them, it's really good stuff. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They walked in the power of God. They walked in the fullness. The, the Spirit of God was in them and not just in, on them as well to minister to others. And so if you want to walk in the full benefits, hey, why not be open to the fact that, hey, he can, well, he can baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I can speak with other tongues. Um, Jude one twenty. I love this verse. This is the Amplified. It says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher. Everybody say higher and higher. Higher and higher, how? Praying in the Holy Spirit. See, this ability to, to pray in the Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, enables you to rise higher and higher. Like, why are we talking about this? Because I want you to go higher and higher. Higher and higher. Everybody say higher and higher. Higher and higher. In him. Surrendered to him. In his power to rise higher and higher. Um, I want to illustrate this, and I'll bring this home. Acts 9. Mm. Don't get nervous. I've done this. I'm just going to talk about this rather than read it. Um, so, the Apostle Paul. What was his name before he became the Apostle Paul? Saul. And so Saul was walking down the road um, going to Damascus with warrants to arrest and kill Christians, followers of the way. And he was walking down the road, and God showed up, and the Bible says he fell to the ground. See what happened there? He, God showed, fell to the ground. Just happens. God shows up. So he fell to the ground. And then God says, hey, go, go into the town to Ananias. And he goes in to Ananias. He's blind from that moment. He's blinded. God blinds him. And he goes in, and Ananias says, I'm going to lay hands on you to receive your sight and to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, I'm going to lay hands on you to receive your sight and be changed to receive your sight, and to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is what brings change. Some of you have been struggling in negative cycles of sin and defeat, 
And the thing that's going to bring the change you've been looking for is not just praying more or going to church more. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that endues you, clothes you with power like you ain't never had before. And so he received his sight. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happened? It was like scales fell from his eyes is what the Bible says. He had a new vision. Why is this baptism of the Holy Spirit so important? Because it's going to be like scales falling from your eyes. It's going to give you new vision, new clarity. It's going to enable you to live on mission for God in a way that you never had before. The Word of God's going to come alive. You're going to have a greater level of discernment. You're going to walk in the fruit of that Spirit a little bit higher as you continue to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's going to be scales falling, new vision. Everybody say new vision. God wants you to walk in the fullness, the fullness of the Spirit of God. So let me illustrate this. This is you. You're the towel. Everybody say, I'm the towel. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the bucket full of water. Come closer, Beck. It's raining, raining down, Holy Spirit. So when you get saved, you get, you get saved, you get all the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? I got all, look, I, I got all the Holy Spirit. And so Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17, we become a, what? A new creation in Christ Jesus. John 3, 5 describes salvation as being born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Got saved? Look, I got saved. I got all the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit's here, and I got like, boy, like just, he's just so good. And like, you know, when I, when I come up against something difficult, you know, I can dip into the Holy Spirit. I don't, not too much. And I, you know, I can little dabble, do you? Like, like, like I, can, I can wipe off some sin here. I can take, take care of some jealousy there. I can, I can try and wipe off Tracy, and like, Tracy needs to, like, she needs to work on that a little bit. Come here, Jay, come here, Jay. Because she, she asked me to wipe off a little, yeah, she needs to get that, a little bit of that off, yeah. And, and so we can dip into the Holy Spirit, and when, when we got saved, we got all of this. And, and like, and that's the thing, like, we'll get so excited sometimes that like, we'll be in a, a, a service, or like, we'll be in a great little season of our life, and we'll be like, what? And like other people will get wet too. And like we're just like, oh my goodness. It's fun. I've, I've done this illustration before, but I've never done that. That was kind of fun. And so other people will get wet because when I got saved, I got some of the Spirit or all. I got all the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you got some or did you get all? You get all. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gets all of you. When you get baptized, the Holy Spirit gets all of you. And interesting, I leaned over when David was doing the offering, and I said to Michael, I was like, it's cool when he quotes my sermon notes, because he said two things about trust and faith. And when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, same thing in your giving, same thing in baptism, it's about trust and faith. Do you trust God? That he's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. By the way, that's a bad thing to trust him for because he probably will. Do you trust, how about something better? Do you trust that he only has your best interest at heart? Do you trust that he loves you unconditionally? Do you trust that he wants you to walk in absolute freedom? Do you trust 
that even if you don't fully understand, maybe this thing that we're talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do you, can you trust that maybe God wants me to have that? So it's a trust issue. But it's also a faith issue. I'll read you a verse here. Romans 4.20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. See, I I didn't grow up around this. And I, I started, I mean, full story, I started dating a girl in high school who was a crazy Pentecostal girl and talked in tongues. She dumped me because I didn't speak in tongues. <laughs> True story. So I go to college. College is awesome. Go to a good Methodist school, Asbury, down the road. Great school. And I started dating a girl. Crazy Pentecostal girl. Seriously, God? Her name is Katie Keene. Actually, Katie Terry at the time. She was pretty. Woo. And I was like, all right, God, I don't want to let this one away. Like, what's going on here? And so... Just like the first time, like I just started reading the Bible. Did I mention I love the Bible? Because the Bible has the answers you're looking for. And so I started reading the Bible, and I started reading the Bible, and I started getting into the, the uh, New Testament, and I read through the Bible, and I was like, man, I never saw this before. Like baptism of the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, baptizing the Holy Spirit and power, prayed in tongues, baptizing the Holy Like, it's in the Bible. And I was like, nobody told me. <laughs> we believed in calm cousin Bill, Right? Tom Cousin Bill doesn't speak in tongues, all right? We do that behind closed doors. Come to find out, by the way, down, years down the road, like a bunch of the super influential spiritual leaders in my life, they totally prayed in tongues and baptized in the Holy Spirit. They just didn't talk about it in those circles because it wasn't uh, socially acceptable. Um, so the trust issue, being fully persuaded. And so I studied the Bible, studied the Bible, and I just started to seal it. And you know what it was like? It was like scales falling off my eyes. I just saw the Bible and I saw truth and I was like, oh, wow, that looks like a good gift. In James, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Like there's no shadow, he's no respecter of person, it's the same gift. Everybody says the same gift, same promise, same power. And so I got to a point where I became fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able to do. And it seemed pretty clear and apparent to me by reading the Bible that he promised that I would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And every time that happened, people were praying in other tongues, speaking in other tongues. And so I became fully persuaded. And so my brother left town for a weekend and my uh, girlfriend was out of town and I locked myself in my brother's dorm room. And he had this chair here, like corduroy with leather straps. And I knelt down on my knees at that chair, and I had this little book from like Kenneth Hagin or something, Seven Steps to Be Baptized in the Holy Spirit, which literally was an expansion of what I'm teaching you today. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. It's very straightforward. Pray, believe, receive, right? And so, I, and I was like, I was fully persuaded. Everybody say fully persuaded. Got down on my knees, and I prayed, and I said, God, I'm not getting up until you baptize me in the Holy Spirit with the evidence, speaking in other tongues. Praying, and praying, and praying. I was like, what just happened? I started praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the thing. We'll break this down here in a second. But like the words weren't coming from my brain. 
There's been sign, they've done scientific studies of people praying in the spirit. And when they're hooked up to electrodes and they put and they're praying in the Holy Spirit, the part of the brain that is responsible for language is not activated at all. It comes from your spirit, the spirit of God inside of you, and so the spirit gives you the words and you begin to speak. And I begin to speak and pray in other tongues. And then I was like, well, this is pretty cool. If I stop, does it go away? And so I just kept praying until I got so tired I couldn't stop praying. And so when you get saved, you get some or all of the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gets some or all of you. And so what does baptize mean? Baptize means to immerse. So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not just a little dabble, do you? Does the Holy Spirit have all of me right here? No, he's got some of me. Like, and I've got some of him so that, you know, I can, I can, you know, give it to other people every now and then. But when you get baptized, it is not neat. It is not convenient. It is not, maybe not all the time, socially acceptable. Because when you get baptized, he gets all of you. And then everywhere you go, like, oh, my gosh, he's dripping. Like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And, like, that's not, like, look at me. I'm a mess. I'm dripping all over. But when he gets, listen, when I get baptized, he gets all of me. This is undeniable that I, this towel is not the same as it was a minute ago. There's not this little dabble, do you? He gets all of you. And it's undeniable. It's unmistakable. It is the character of this towel was changed, just like your character should be changed. He gets all of you. And if you've been living in the place where a little dabble do you, and you've been defeated and frustrated in your faith walk, it might be time to, and what's the word that goes here? Surrender. Trust that every gift he has for you is good and that he wants your best. And have faith that God is able to do exactly what he said to do. Become fully persuaded. But then it comes down to you, and you have to literally make a decision. You have to make a decision to surrender. When the Holy Spirit showed up in the New Testament, he changed believers. Again, we have the gospel, the good news of the gospel, but when the Holy Spirit came, he brought the, the power to carry that message, to live that message, to be a walking, talking, breathing demonstration, integrity and faith in God's word. We got the gospel, the good news, but demonstration and manifestation of his glory that shows people the goodness of God, the love of God, the power of God. Acts 2, 2 through 4. Let me read this. This is the New Living Translation. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled. Everybody say filled. The, the Amplified Version defines that. Diffused throughout their souls. They were filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and, everybody say and, and began to speak, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit 
gave them this ability. The Amplified there says, as the Holy Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression. So first of all, who was filled? Some of the people or everyone? Everyone. He's no respecter of persons. Again, same promise whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Buddhist, never been to church in your life, same promise. Same promise. Same promise. Same power. Now, here's a really important, let me read the New King James, that same verse. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So two questions. Who began to speak? You hear the verse? Is it up there? Who began to speak? They began to speak. They began to speak. And notice the order. They were, where'd he go? Filled the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. But who gave them the words to speak? As the Spirit gave them utterance. So the fact that the, the person doing the speaking is not supernatural. I mean, you are because the Spirit, it's the, what's being spoken that is divinely inspired. So it's not difficult to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the way, when they tarried in Jerusalem, we read that verse earlier, to receive the Holy Spirit, those were the only people that had to tarry because the Holy Spirit had never come yet. So again, some traditions like, hey, you got to tarry, you got to tarry, you got to tarry. Nope, no, they, they tarried once because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, you don't have to wait anymore. Available all the time. So you don't have to tarry, you just have to trust and believe so that you can receive. And so when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't start in your brain, like other words. Like everybody say, hello, my name is. Like, if you focus right now, when you say, hello, my name is again, where, where's that, is something activating in your brain? Say, hello, my name is again. And like you feel like, okay, that's coming from my brain. But when I begin to speak in tongues, that doesn't come from here, it comes from here. Your brain is not operating when you speak in the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God flowing through you. Now, that is supernatural, right? But it's not spooky and mysterious and unknowable. The Bible just described it. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so when you see people up here at the altar in a moment, you're going to receive, many of you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Isn't that cool? You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, if you want to, because you have to be fully persuaded. If, if you're not fully persuaded, if I would have locked myself in that dorm room like months earlier, I wasn't fully persuaded, so I probably wouldn't have received anything. But when you're fully persuaded, then it's just trust, believe, and have faith, ask, and receive. Boom, that's it. And then when you begin to, you begin to speak, so you might begin to pray, you might begin to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And there's a surrender of like, okay, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So go to get a best. Get out of And you're going to begin to speak words that you don't even know. Like, I don't know what I just said, but that was the Spirit of God praying through me. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So three things. Um, some of you, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. We're going to take care of that real quick. And then, you know what, let's do that real quick. So if you're here today and you're like, man, there's a lot of new stuff here. Can I tell you the most important thing that I've shared today is that he loves you just the way you are. Like, 
just the way you are. He loves you. Look, look at somebody and say, he loves you. He loved you so much he sent the Holy Spirit. Yes, he did. He loved you so much he sent Jesus to die on the cross for the penalty of your sins so you would not have to walk around with guilt and shame and condemnation and feeling like you're not enough. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. If you're here today and you've never initiated that relationship with God, again, it's relationship. He can't force relationship. You don't get relationship because you went to church. You get relationship with the Father because you initiated that. You accepted the love of God. And he loves you. Did I mention? He loves you just the way you are. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to believe what I, like all you've got to believe is that Jesus went to the cross to die for my sin. So that separation I feel from God, I don't have to feel that anymore. All I have to do is believe that Jesus went to the cross to take the punishment so that I wouldn't have to, so that I could come into a relationship with the Father. It's faith to believe that. And right now I'm praying that you have the faith to believe that God himself loves you so much. Oh, he loves you. You don't, you don't have to get ready for this decision. You just have to believe and receive. He loves you right where you're at. And so God, I pray right now if there's those in the room that they feel far from you. They, don't, they feel that separation. They don't know that if they died today, they'd spend eternity in heaven with you. And so, God, today is their moment to come home. And so, God, I pray that you would give them faith and courage to believe and receive right now salvation, to come into right relationship with you, to experience the unconditional love and acceptance of God, the freedom that comes with that, the peace that comes with that. And so, God, give them faith and courage right now. Just with your heads bowed, if you're in this room and you feel far from God, Maybe you've never come into a relationship with him, or maybe you did a long time ago, and you've ran from that, and you feel far from God now. If that's you, this is your moment to believe and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you need to take that step to invite him in, he's waiting, open arms, ready to love and run to you and hug you and accept you unconditionally. But if you need to receive that love today, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Anybody in the room? So we got one hand going up. Hallelujah. Maybe two. So I, I, I'm not going to delay because we, we're going to minister here. If that's you and you raised your hand or... You didn't raise your hand, but you need to pray that prayer. Everybody pray this out loud. Everybody in the room, make it easier for them. Pray it with faith. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Today I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin so that I could be saved, made right, forgiven, made new. I believe that. I received Jesus now, I also receive all of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Woo! Okay, two things we're going to pray. Listen, guys, this is not like I know some of you have been in some Holy Ghost services and you're like, oh, my gosh, we still got an hour of praying and ministry. No, we're, we're not going to do that. 
I'm going to pray two prayers. Some people are going to come to the altar. We're going to pray for them, but you're going to believe and receive. It's not complicated, okay? And it doesn't, you don't have to tarry. You just believe and receive it. Some of you are going to receive it right now with the evidence of speaking other tongues. Some of you are going to be driving home. Some of you are going to be like, you're going to be like, I want that kneeling down like Pastor Mark by myself and receiving it. And you might receive it that way. In the Bible, many times they were, people were laid hands on and they received the baptism with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So that's what we're getting ready to do. But there's another group of you that I just want to address real quick. And if, if you're in the room and you've received a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but some of those benefits that I was describing, you're not experiencing that. And I want to encourage you because can life be hard sometimes? And so sometimes you got dunked a long time ago, but life has a way of wringing out of you all that goodness. See, this was dunked a while ago, but like, there's no dripping. Can't, can't get anybody wet here. And you know what's good in the Bible? It talks about they were baptized again. They were filled with the Spirit again. So if you felt wrung out, do not go past this moment like I already got that. Listen, if you dried up, be honest that you dried up and get redunked so you can drip again so that it is undeniable by you and everyone else. 